Hi everyone, welcome to Eclipsed, a Heroes podcast. My name is Keisha. And I'm Rachel. And we are two old school fangirls who are rewatching the show so that we can defend its honor. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel. Yes. <laughs> Rachel, do we have any news this week? We do. We have news. And it's not old What? News. What? It's In our dead news. fandom? <laughs> <laughs> I... I never expected we'd have very much new news to talk about for the show, but we do. We actually have two things, so let's start with the first. The first is, last month, um, a few people got together. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't remember. They were like actors from some things. And they decided to throw a home con. And it was locked behind a paywall last month. It was, uh, you could get uh, one-on-one Zoom chats you could pay for with certain actors and I don't remember hearing very much about it because I think it was for fandoms I wasn't particularly into, but they decided they're going to do it again, and this time it is free to watch live on Twitch. And we're on a Heroes podcast, so guess what that means? They're going to have a Heroes reunion. I'm screaming. I was screaming when I read it. I'm screaming now. I was like, oh, what? (laughs) And they didn't announce who was going to be in it because their only their only main confirmed mm-hmm. guest is Tatiana um, from Orphan Black, which is big and great anyway. Oh yeah, I mean this is a heroes podcast, but okay, sure, Orphan Black is amazing, and y'all should watch it. Like if you ask me what's your favorite shows, I'd be like Heroes and the second Orphan Black. So damn, really? <laughs> yeah, It'd be like that. Yes. Wow. Yes. I could see it. I, I didn't know Orphan Black was so high up for you. That's cool. But Tatiana Maslany is going to be at uh, is going to appear on HomeCon. And, and and the Heroes reunion? Are you kidding me? It could be like three people and I'd still be excited. It yes. might be three people and I'm so excited. Yeah, we, we were like speculating already about who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, <laughs> if you're looking for more information, you can go to at HomeConOfficial on Twitter. And you'll, they'll, you'll probably see when they announce which guests because they'll be selling their one-on-one Zoom chats. <laughs> Which, bless anyone who does that. <laughs> oh, I could never. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. That, oh man. It, it's it's awkward enough meeting people in real life. And it's very awkward. I've met I've met and had my photo taken with Milo Ventimiglia and he was lovely. Mm-hmm. But uh, I felt really awkward the whole time. And I was, I wanted to scream at myself later on. But, um, yeah, yeah. Bless. Bless anybody who can do that. <laughs> Which I saw, I looked on their Instagram, it was like, for the last one, they were selling it for like, five minutes was 50 bucks, and you could have 10 concurrent minutes, so it'd be like $100 for a 10 minute conversation. That's pretty standard. Which, that's not terrible, it's like, you probably spend that much Mm -hmm. alone to go to a convention. No, that, that, yeah, exactly, And, and if you're one of the people who goes in the line and does the photos, that's like, the lower end of how much that costs. Yes. So, that's pretty standard. So yeah, that's not. Uh, when when is that taking place, Rachel? That is taking place May sixteenth and seventeenth. Like I said, live on Twitch. Uh, yep. If you want to watch, if you can't make it live, you can watch the vods. But I believe they will be locked behind a Twitch sub, which you can either use your Amazon Prime to to uh, do Twitch Prime on that channel, or spend five dollars for the month and subscribe. That's that's five dollars well spent, frankly. <laughs> yeah. So if if you can't make it to watch the Orphan Black panel or the Heroes or Vikings is also doing a panel. The Women of the 100 is doing a panel. And Winona Earp is doing a panel. 
I never watched the 100 of Winona Earp. I, I I probably should watch both, honestly. Uh, but I, I liked Vikings quite a lot back in the day. I don't watch it anymore. I have a lot of reasons. But um, that's still pretty cool. That's that's a good list. And I'm sure there'll be more. This is just what their highlight was when I went and pulled it off Twitter today. That's really, that's impressive, honestly. Because they'll have two days worth of content running for however long they run the content. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, I'm sure the firm show um, schedule will be up soonish. I it's hope like so because <laughs> then I can know exactly when I need to sneak away at work and, and try to watch some on my phone. <laughs> and we'll talk about the uh, heroes reunion about what stuff they bring up on the podcast, uh, the episode we record after it airs. So, oh yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna definitely comment on this because this is big nothing happens in this phantom this is huge (laughs) this is like you know not quite getting a comic book series but it's it's up there yes and for our second piece of old news we were speculating on who would be in the panel and one of the shoe-ins that we think is going to be in the Mm -hmm. panel is sendhill ramamurthy and keisha why don't you tell us why we're talking about sendhill right now so, Sendhil Ramamurthy not only has been having some nice moments showing up on The Flash and whatnot, but he is part of Mindy Kaling's new Netflix show, Never Have I Ever. And I believe he's playing the father of the lead character? Yes. So, I haven't watched it yet. I probably will, because it looks really good, and I watch everything. Uh, you'll get a sense of that from me. Uh, yeah, so his show has hit, and critics love it, and fans are into it. They're really into it. They're really into him. Um, so uh, there's been a, a resurgence of uh, thirst for Mr. Ramamurthy uh, because of this show. Uh, according to friend of the podcast, I don't know if she's okay with me calling her that, but I'm going to call her that anyway. Uh, Nerdy Jen over on Twitter, uh, who is part of the Sendal Ramamurthy social media team, they're having record high views on his official site right now. Uh, they hit an all-time high on SendalRamamurthy.net in April. 94,000 hits. That's huge. And congrats to them. Yay. Happy for it. Uh, anytime one of our uh, alumna does well, it's exciting. And we wanted to mention it. I have another piece of news that I forgot to add to our list, and I wanted to add it to our list. Rachel, can I do that right Go now? Go for it. Tell me. Tell me. Cool. So in the spirit of... Uh, Let's say uh, the the future Mylar of things. Uh, Zachary Quinto also has some casting news that mm. deserves to be mentioned. Uh, he is going to be in a Superman animated film where he plays Lex fucking Luther, and I am so <laughs> yes. excited! I can't even stand it. And if that's not good enough for you, Darren Chris is playing Superman. You're gonna hear me screaming from the rooftops. Uh, it's no secret. That after Heroes, uh, well, during and after, uh, Rachel and I were circling the Glee fandom pretty fucking hard. We were in it for Mm -hmm. like a minute, like most people were. And obviously big, huge Darren Chris fans like most people were. And I still am. I really love him. I follow him on things. Um, And she hates him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. Um, No, so that combination is ridiculous because I enjoy both of those people very much. And... You know, it's it's great because it's one of those things where in something like that, all that happens in those movies is Lex and Superman bitch at each other and like face up against each other. And so we're going to have lots of that. And I'm very excited. And I forgot to put that on our notes, but we should tell people about that, too. It is it doesn't have a date yet. 
Um, but they announced it on Entertainment Weekly this week. They had like a little preview kind of thing. Uh, they had like a little promo photo of the characters, which they always look the same. But um, yeah, it's a new movie. DC animated movies are sick. They're usually really, really good. And I'm excited to actually get some sort of date on that. Because it just says this summer. And it's going, you know, straight to digital video and Blu-ray. So look forward to it. You sent that to me and I forgot about it until just now. <laughs> I was, uh, I thought about it once and then I forgot. <laughs> I thought about it again. And here we are. I mentioned it. So so we're going to try to do some more um, heroesy news at the beginning. Especially if there is relevant casting news for people. Yeah, because they're doing stuff still. Because I'm not expecting any new uh, hero stuff to come out. Um, speaking of Sendel, he has been posting a, quite a few behind-the-scenes um, heroes picks on his Instagram recently. Yeah, you should definitely check that out, because uh, the actors have a really great collection of behind-the-scenes stuff from the shoot of that show. Yes. And he in particular, I've been seeing all over my Twitter feed and my uh, Instagram, so check Hey, it out. if it takes a pandemic to get some new content. <laughs> Oh, fuck. All right. Anyway, back to the episode. Did we say what episode it was? Because I wasn't listening. We sure did not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's okay because we're talking about it now. We're talking about it now. Episode 15, run with an exclamation point. Keisha, why don't we run on over to uh, our favorite people who are both in the segment together. (laughs) Why don't you tell us what's happening with uh, Jessica? AKA Nikki. I will. Um, so the fun thing about this is I'm sure you're all like, oh, great. She's going to talk shit about her again. Guess what? I'm not. I really like this episode for Jessica, and I have several reasons about why that is so. But let's begin at the beginning. So the first time we see her, she is covering up that irksome little tattoo that occurs when you know it's Jessica and not Nikki because she's still pretending to be Nikki. Uh, the only... <laughs> The note that I had to write is I wonder what kind of foundation she was using because that's, it's kind of hard to cover a tattoo. And I, I just, I don't know why, but I was like, I think it's the Kat Von D tattoo locket because I think that came out around the same year. <laughs> and that was one of the selling points was they could cover tattoos for like jobs and stuff. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, you come here for your makeup news, obviously. So, um, <laughs> fuck. No. So she's still playing like the little homemaker life. And it's great because she's doing that. She's preparing for her day. And we cut right over to little Matty Parkman. And he's getting all dressed up for his new gig. And it's like, oh, the way they're cutting back and forth. I wonder if these two are going to have some scenes together. Oh, I bet they are. Uh, it's not subtle with their editing on the show. <laughs> so Matt's getting all dressed up for his new gig. And we go back over to Jessica. And the Sanders clan, they're just trying to resume their normal lives. Looks like DL has a construction gig again. Uh, Micah's going to school again. Everything's hunky-dory. Everything's back to normal. As far as they know, Nikki, quote, quote, gets a package and a phone call and she has a gig and her gig is she's a paid assassin. And I'm smiling when I say it because <laughs> I love Jessica getting to, to do Jessica. I love this character so much more than Nikki and I it's unfortunate that there has to be the delineation between like, oh, the struggling wife and mother versus the cool badass killer. But we're going to get to why I think this works better for the show in a minute. So Matt, turns out, is doing private security now. That's what he's getting all dressed up for. You have to look good in that gig. He is doing private security for Aaron Malski, former 
associate of Mr. Linderman. You don't leave organizations like that well. <laughs> and that's exactly what's happening is Malski is trying to pull some shit. And guess who Jessica's target is? <gasps> it's Malski. <laughs> so our heroes are going to collide. Matt and Jessica are about to face off against each other. And it's exciting to see what that looks like. But first, we take a little time and we see Matt just trying to orient himself into the private security life. He's not a cop. He's not a rent-a-cop. It's different. So he, you know, he's got the little sign for Malski and he picks him up. And he's trying to be real chatty and friendly to him in the car. He would be. He would be that guy. He would be the driver that doesn't know when to shut up. <laughs> like, that just fits his character so well. It's like Malski's not interested in the conversation. He's he's scared and he's in a hurry and he should be because he stole two million dollars from Linderman. Why would he think that's a good idea? He works with the guy. He's seen what happens. <laughs> like Malski's the guy who got Jessica out of the clink. Like what the fuck, man? Like you know what kind of heat's coming your way if you do something like this. Well, I believe it's the two million he took back from DL. I believe so. And he never just gave it back to Linderman. <laughs> because he just wouldn't notice with all of his other, like, money that he could swim around in, like, you know, fucking Uncle Scrooge? I don't think so. <laughs> like, that's not how that works. They know every penny. So he is trying to skip town with the stolen money. But first, he has to make it a little more liquid. He's going to use this $2 million. He's going to transfer it into diamonds that he can more easily transport to whatever new life he thinks he's going to get away and have. Well, Jessica knows exactly what he's going to do and where he's heading. And she's coming for him. And she's going to kill him. And so, you know, Malski's trying to hurry and he's trying to buy the diamonds and Matt's doing his thing. And Jessica is coming just right towards them. And there's this really great moment. Why are all of Jessica's great moments in elevators? I don't know why. (laughs) There's like three of them in the whole show. This is the second one. But she's just sitting there real calm and collected in her cool, like, assassin outfit with her fucking, like, jacket and her her heels. Like, just looking great. Looking great, feeling great, gonna do a murder. And she has this great little moment where she's in the elevator and the music's playing and she does like a little shimmy to it. Like just, just getting into the music, you know, she's going to kill a guy. (laughs) It's going to be a good day. I love Jessica so much when she gets to just be herself. Um, so she's on their tail. She attacks, they try to get away. It's, you know, the whole usual thing. What's really interesting about it is that anytime Jessica comes over, you know, she, she walks in front of a, any kind of reflective surface, we see the trap Nikki, like, oh, stop, you're killing a man or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like, shut up, Nikki, not helping. I don't care. And I'm not listening to you. But what's great is that when this is happening on a, uh, it's like a flight of stairs in the building where everyone's, you know, chasing after each other, Matt can actually hear Nikki and Jessica, he can hear both voices, which I thought was a cool little touch that they add um, to, you know, really show that they're two different personalities in one body. So it's it's really great because it's like, I don't know. The, the thing about Nikki and Jessica to me is it goes back to what I was saying. It's kind of like a Bruce Banner versus the Hulk thing in that for the most part, nobody's picking up comics that are like, 
Bruce Banner in this adventure, and he's going to be a scientist boy. And he has a, a purpose to serve. I'm not saying he's useless. I'm saying what the people want is they want Hulk smash. So Nikki has her, her, you know, her struggle life and her, her fractured family that she's trying to keep together and her genius kid. And she's got all these elements and that's fine. That's great for the beginning of the show. It really establishes the normal people part. I would say we have shifted gears, especially in this chunk of episodes, to being like, eh, normal, not into it. Let's get into the comic book of it all. And that's what's so great about Jessica, is she is so that. She's smirky, she's sassy, she's very capable. She's just more entertaining to watch. Because that's what you want at this point in the game. You want to watch her you know, break handcuffs and tear a guy in half. <laughs> like, that's just what feels like it's at the right level for the type of storytelling where we're at right now. We're beyond the normal people struggle. We want to get into the bang, the pow, the extraordinary shit. That's what we want. And I, I really like how we get that with Jessica. And also, her posting up against Matt is fun because it shows with someone like Matt who, when she gets the chance to, she just hucks him right out of a window like it's nothing. <laughs> just tries to kill him straight away. Uh, he's okay, though. He's fine. But what's interesting about that is it's like, okay, so in normal circumstances, Matt is a trained police officer. He, you know, hasn't passed his detective's test, but whatever. He's capable. Um, normally, he could probably handle himself with something like this, at least well enough. But the rules of the game have changed. And so when you go up against someone like a Jessica who has this, like, superpower, this, this strength, you're going to have to elevate your game. And with his power the way it currently sits, it's not at that level. Yeah, he can read a mind, whatever. It's very, very passive. It's not involved in the way that it could be. It's not as, uh, you know, defensive, I guess, as it could be. And will become later on. But right now, he's just, you know, still trying to find his place in all of this. Uh, so she chucks him out the window. She gets to Malski. She tears him in half, like I said. It's so great. It's so extra. <laughs> she could just snap his neck, but no, it's like, here's one half, here's the other half. It's just real good, like, comic booky violence. Uh, the, the cops come in, and, you know, Matt's like, I'm on a job, I'm on a job. And they realize, oh, someone killed this guy. And he, he tries to say that, you know, yeah, it was an incredibly strong killer and her partner, because he heard two voices, but, you know, he only ever saw the one. And, you know, she's long gone. They can't find her. She's a professional. They're not going to. But while the cops are setting up their investigation, Matt is able to find, from what Mowski said in his mind before he died, where he stashed the diamonds while he was trying to get away. And so this is, like, Matt's big, like, moral quandary moment about does he give up the diamonds? And he chooses to keep them. And I feel like that's a fun little glimmer of the sort of decisions Matt's going to make more of down the road. Especially when, if you recall, the thing he heard the detective on the case say in his mind was, he was just talking shit about Matt. It's all anybody ever does. People underestimate him. They denigrate him. They make him feel like crap. And his way of getting back at them is being like, ha, well, I found these and you're not, you know, you are never going to find them. And I'm going to take this because I deserve it. And you're going to get a lot more of that. You're going to get a lot more of Matt just deciding to use his power for maybe not the best reasons. 
And I think that's exciting to see little glimmers of now. Uh, but yeah, so Matt's first foray into a, a new job didn't go well. Um, <laughs> but how could it? How could it? The game is different. You know, he, he's going to come up against this several times in the rest of the season where he's going to have a cop mentality and, and he doesn't have the kind of power where he can just like zap people or, you know, so he's going to be really outmatched in season one a lot. But that's going to change huge in further seasons to come. But did you have anything to add to uh, Jessica and Matt and their fun? Uh, Just that we don't get enough female villains on the show overall. (laughs) We sure fucking don't, man. Yeah, that's about it. That's all I had to say. (laughs) That's really part of why Jessica's so great, too. Like, Mm -hmm. yes. And And she's not even a villain. She's like, she's just she's a gun for hire. Even that, like, the morally gray of it all, we don't Mm -hmm. get too much. We have one that is, like, the major standout morally gray female of the show. But (laughs) other than that, we don't get too much. Well, you know, it's funny because, I mean, they have a a, a female villain in Reborn. They do. And, you know, You know, like, Reborn, the memories of Reborn come and go. (laughs) Yeah. I just know that. I just know that off the top of my head. There is a lot more female presence in Reborn, and that could be because Mm -hmm. it takes place however many years later. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time, not as much of a female presence in the original show. Uh, Especially not, yeah, especially not right now. Mm -mm. It it fluctuates throughout volumes, but Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely not so much right now. It's pretty much you get Claire or you get Nikki Jessica. (laughs) That's what you get. Yes. And there's like characters like Simone and stuff too, but I mean they're they're literally like the definition of support. They're not leads. <laughs> they're not. Yes. So they don't have their own stories really. Um and then there is, you know, something to add to the Jessica part of it, but it really falls into the cliffhanger category. So we'll we'll wait until the end to reveal what that is. Oh, you don't want to you don't want to bring that up now? I don't know. Do you want me to? Cuz I sure can. I don't see why not. Okay. So at the end of the day, Jessica has, you know, job well done, pat, pat. And she gets her next gig. And we don't know what exactly her task is with this person. It's probably nothing good. She's like, oh, yeah, I remember him. And as soon as she said that, it was like, oh, no. They don't even need to show the photo. It's like, oh, no. (laughs) Because her next job has to do with congressional nominee Nathan Petrelli. Dun, dun. Bum, bum. And it's only two weeks until election day, so. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's not the same kind of gig she had with Malski. Mm-hmm. Because there, we've seen nothing, even in this episode, that where Nathan has done anything terrible with the donation he got from Linderman. Oh, yeah, no, he's been he's been a real good soldier on that front. So we will have to wait and see what uh, Jessica has to do with Nathan. Cliffhanger! So she gets another one. Add it to your list. How many she is does. that, Rachel? Uh, that, that would bring her up to four. Damn, that's a Wait, lot. I, tried, like, I was looking for my list earlier. I'm like, did I throw my list away? But I swear I put it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We're very I'll, organized and professional. <laughs> I, I'll type out the whole list on a sheet that I can update from there. But yeah, that makes it four. Uh, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. For 15 episodes, that's a lot. Yeah, getting the final note of the episode. Mm-hmm. To be continued and all that. But let's uh, let's close our eyes real tight and do some time traveling first and decide... Claude isn't in this episode. <laughs> Goodness. Goodness. No, no, no. We're going to do some time travel. 
and we're gonna we're gonna go woo, 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 back away from the to be continued, <laughs> and we're gonna go over to Hero and Endo, who are back in Vegas. Oh my God, Rachel, what's happening there? Ah. Uh. Well, they're back in Vegas, much to Ando's chagrin. He's like, we're back where we started. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. But Hero's like, no, 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 you gotta have faith in me, Ando. And so their job right now is they're trying to sneak into uh, Linderman's Hotel Casino. And so they head in through the kitchen, and he's like, you know what, Ando, we have to do this. A hero has to have hope. We're gonna, we're gonna figure out how to get in there and get what we need to get, which is the Takezo Kensei sword. Because again, if you remember... Hero is convinced that getting the sword will give him his powers back. So while they're going through the kitchen, Ando notices a woman crying in the kitchen. And so, being Ando, he can't help but go over and see what's wrong. And he's like, oh, you know, what's wrong? Can we help you? And she's like, oh, I don't know if you can help me. And she stands up and they have a great gag because she is a very tall woman. (laughs) And she towers over both Ando and Hero. And she's like, well... You know, maybe you can help me. And he introduces himself and Hero. And she's like, well, I'm Hope. And so, oh, it is destiny. That is the hope that they need. Ooh, can I interject real quick? Yes. She's dressed like a princess when they meet her. Yes, that is true. Yep. She like a damsel. Mm-hmm. She she's is a showgirl. A literal damsel in distress for yeah. them in the kitchen. <laughs> so good. I remember she was dressed up, but I couldn't remember what it was, so thank you. It's a a princess. (laughs) It's got, like, a cone hat and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, we meet them back in the dressing room. We see a lot of other ladies running around, some other showgirls. And uh, she's like, oh, I I forgot my bag up in my boyfriend's hotel room, and he's a bad man. And she shows them a bruise on her arm, and she's like, that bag has, like, all my my cards and my money and some old photos. I really wish I could get it back. And Andal's like, we'll do it. We'll get your bag. And he was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) We're not going to break into a hotel room for some random lady and get the bag. And Andal was like, hero, how come every time you want to do something, it's our destiny. And whenever I want to do something, it's not important. Boom. And, uh, when they're talking in Japanese to each other, they mention Linderman because they, they're trying to get into Linderman's thing. And Hope hears them say the name Linderman. She's like, oh, I, I can help you meet Linderman. I have a friend that knows him. And he's like, see, perfect. This is going to be how we get to Linderman. We have to help her. And so Hero relents <laughs> begrudgingly. <laughs> and we see Ando pushing a uh, service cart up to a room. And he's all dressed up like a little um, bus boy. And uh, he knocks on the man's door <laughs> and the man opens it and he's like, room service. I didn't order any. He's like, <laughs> on the house, high roller. So he begrudgingly lets him in the room and Ando does this great bit where he's like slowly putting ice cubes in the glass, like buying time <sighs> in the room. And this guy is just getting fed up with the whole thing. And he finally tells him to leave. But this whole time we haven't seen Hero and so guess where Hero is? He's under the cart. So as the man goes to take a shower, he climbs out, lets Ando back in the room, and they start looking for the bag. And um, <laughs> Hero is like, still like, we're wasting time here. What are we doing? And Hero opens the closet and sees that the man has a rather large gun. And he's like, we have to get out. <laughs> and this is when Ando decides he's going to start quoting everything Hero has told him back to Hero. <laughs> he's like, a Aww. hero never runs, Hero. And Hero's like, stop saying the things I say to you back to me. Ando is A-plus in this episode. <laughs> yes, he's just like, everything that Hero's been telling him the past several episodes, he's pulling back, <laughs> pushing it right back on Hero. And uh, 
he's like, you have to trust me, hero. And then he's like, but we don't have powers right now. A man doesn't need powers to be a hero. <laughs> <laughs> and um, hero eventually, like, leaves the room. And uh, Andal acts like he was going to, but Andal doesn't. He just shuts the door behind him, and he's like, Andal could! <laughs> so Andal finds the bag under the bed, but he finds it at the wrong time because the man is coming back out of the bathroom. And so Andal has to hide under the bed with the bag. And we leave him following Hero back to Hope, and Hero overhears Hope on the phone. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to get the money back. It's not fair that he takes all of it when I did half the work. And don't worry, I'm not too worried about it. I got these two Chinese guys to go do my dirty work and go get the bag. And um, <laughs> Hero kind of comes out and he like looks at her after the phone. And she's like, oh, do you have my bag? <laughs> and he's like, you're a bad person. And she's, she's a like, villain. Yeah, she's a, she's a villain. She's like, no, he, she just gets more and more fresh. than like, where's my bag? And eventually she just get, gets fed up with Hero being like, you're a bad person. And she knocks him out with one of the two star trek references in this episode <laughs> thanks for the help sulu and knocks him out because they've had george decay on so now they're really pulling out the star trek references yeah even more on heroes and so we go forward in time a little bit and ando has got uh, gotten out of the room with the bag and he gives the bag to hope and he was like i was trapped under your boyfriend's bed he is a very large man <laughs> and he's like but where's hero and she's like oh i took um I took Hero to go see the guy who would give him the Linderman. Mm-hmm. And he, he just left without you. And he's like, oh, but he would leave without me. I didn't even give you the bag yet. And to shut him up, she gives Ando a kiss. And it works. <laughs> it shuts him up. And we also get to see where Hero is, which is she locked Hero in a closet. <laughs> he's in a prop closet and he's like bagging on it. And someone opens the door, but that someone is the man that they stole the bag from, Gustafson. And he's pointing a gun at them. And Hero gives them the little, like, um, Spock, live long and prosper sign. Like, I come in peace. <laughs> and that is where we leave off Hero and Ando in this episode. Which, I honestly, I thought this whole little Hope storyline wrapped up in an episode. I didn't uh, realize no. it took two. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah. This is their little adventure back in Vegas, still trying to get the sword. All their shenanigans to stretch time so they don't just get it back. Yeah, they Hero and Nando tend to run into many, many obstacles along mm-hmm. their way. Yeah, do you got anything extra to add about uh, Hero and Nando? Um, just that I have to call out who the guest stars are that they deal with. Yes, please. T- go ahead. Go ahead. Because they're they're delightful. Both. Uh, the show has really great guest stars. Uh, Hope is played by Missy Pyle. Mm-hmm. who you may or may not recognize from several uh, film and TV show projects. Um, S.R. Gustafson is Bill Foggerbaki, who many people might not know by his face. I mean, yeah, he's been on shows and stuff too, but a lot of people in many generations will know that voice. He's the voice of Patrick on SpongeBob SquarePants. There you go. And has been since the beginning, so... Yeah, I made a point not to mention them because I'm like, Keisha knows the names. She'll tell us <laughs> when we're done talking about this whole shenanigan. Well, let's let's figure out what's happening with Mohinder, Keisha. Why don't you tell us what our favorite geneticist is up to? Oh, boy. Okay, so he's having a hard go of it. Uh, he's... Okay, so 
the, the thing I love about it is it's not like he's just going to unlock the code, unlock the list, and magically everything's going to go well for him. That's not how the world works. No. He is going to try to cold call people off this list and fail repeatedly to get either a hold of the people he's looking for or to get any of them to take him seriously and not just hang up on him. Because really, I mean, doesn't that sound like the, like the scammiest of phone calls? <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the poor guy has no you know context to this, I think, but honestly, it's just like unknown number saying that you're on this list of people who have special genetic markers in their DNA who may or may not have abilities? Okay, no. He'd have better luck selling a timeshare. Like, frankly. Like, I, I always felt bad for him. I was like, oh, that's not a way to go about it. <laughs> but it's really all he can do right now. Um, so he's going about and he's trying to do this. And he does manage to get one person to, uh, to call him back. And, and that person lives in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And his name is Zane Taylor. And he is, you know, excited and nervous, and he, you know, is pleased to talk to Mohinder about this weird thing going on with him, and everything's going real swell, right? Oh, cool, Mohinder found one. Well, he better pack up and go go meet him. Unfortunately for Mohinder, Zane has already met somebody else before he can travel to Virginia. And it's through a bunch of random circumstance that, of all the people to come to his front door, it's Siler. Who meets Zane Taylor first. And I believe there's a graphic novel about what happened after he escaped Bennett's house and made his way to Virginia. Yep. It is. uh, Okay. So getting back to your regularly scheduled programming. I have my hardcover compilation of the heroes graphic novels right here. There is one. It's called Roadkill. It was chapter 20. It was written by Joe Pekowski. Of course it was. He gets Siler. Um, the art was by Jason Badower, a cool, cool dude. And the colors are by Annette Kwok. And they show you what happened as he escaped from Bennett's house and how he then uh, made his way out towards Zane Taylor's home. Mm. It completely fills in the blanks. I was sitting here like, why is it 20 and not 15? But I remembered they would keep putting the comic out while it was on hiatus. Uh-huh. And it's in all kinds of random order, too, so. Yes. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, easy-to-grab easy reference material. Well, it wasn't um, random, because yeah. I'm pretty sure that came out either before this episode or after this one. <clears throat> mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. during the winter hiatus, they had, like, five or it was probably about five comics that came out in between. It was a good way to, like, keep people into it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, if you want to know uh, exactly, <laughs> I mean, it's literally, like, takes place from him running in the Primatech uniform with bullets in him to fucking the moment he graces Zane Taylor's front door. That's exactly where it takes place. So. There you go. There you go. That's kind of cool because there aren't too many of those that are just like, here's how this happened. Anyway, so he meets Zane Taylor first and he walks into Zane Taylor's place and it's immediately an interesting scene because there's wax paper all over the floors and half-melted stuff everywhere. It looks like a weird hipster art installation, <laughs> uh, but it's not. It's what Zane can do. He can destabilize molecules, so he can change a solid 
into a liquid and you know that sort of thing he can melt stuff if you want to be really pedantic about it he can melt stuff uh <laughs> you see uh siler's eyes light up like a kid at christmas when he sees this weird scene because he knows something <laughs> cool is gonna happen for him uh what's interesting about zane taylor though is while he seems twitchy and nervous in like a brian davis kind of way he also seems like a he doesn't want this to go away he just wants to know more about it he likes it He's excited about it. He's not He's not Brian Davis sitting there like, oh, I don't want this. Instead of being like, cool, let me help you out. Uh, no, this guy is just a little confused. Obviously, who wouldn't be? You could wake up and, you know, melt your telephone to the floor. That's a thing not everyone can do. But he didn't do that cardinal sin of being like, oh, I don't want this. This is not for me. I just want to be normal. He seemed kind of jazzed about it, frankly, just real nervous. But don't worry, because Siler kills him anyway. So, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Because that's, that's, you know, yeah, there's the cardinal sin, but he doesn't give a shit. He takes what he wants. And he wants this. Because it's kind of cool. So, <laughs> I love how immediately when he walks in, he starts taking in Zane's little tics and expressions because he knows he's going to have to, like, maybe become this person. Like, I don't know. He has this weird obsession. He's like a hermit crab. He just likes to try on shells. <laughs> And people are shells to him. They are. He likes, he loves that part of it. He loves it for the whole show. Like even when Siler is a known presence amongst the other characters, anytime he gets to pretend to be someone else, he's just all about that life. So he's taking in all of Zane's little tics and expressions and he's got long sleeves on. He's wearing like a layered sh- a t-shirt and a long sleeve. Cause you know, it was 2006 and that's all we were wearing. And uh, he pulls on his sleeves a lot. Which I'm doing right now. You can't see it. I have long sleeves and I'm doing it. Uh, And so he takes in these little details so that if he ever needs to use them later, he'll have them. And he's going to need to use them later. So even when he's trying to be, like, calm, because what happens is Zane thinks, because he just called him, you know, a little while ago, that this is Dr. Suresh. And Siler does not correct him because that's how he gets in the door. It's it's interesting because it's like he's uh, it's like he's expanding his mo, you know. It's he's expanding his uh, his his hunt the way he does it, you know. He's not just like breaking into this guy's house and straight murdering him. No, now he's toying with him a little bit more, which he likes to do. Like, yeah, sure, I'm Doctor Suresh. Let me right on in. And that's exactly what happens. Poor Zane Taylor. Poor Zane Taylor, though. Seriously, this poor guy. I've always felt bad for him. Um. So he lets him ride in, he shows them what he can do, and Siler's immediately like, yep, gotta have it. And then the, the next time we see things, Mohinder is outside of uh, Zane Taylor's door. And he knocks on the door, and who should answer it? But, you know, it's Siler wearing some of Zane Taylor's clothes, which is so <laughs> creepy. He's so fucking creepy. He's wearing the Ramon shirt that many people remember him wearing. Uh, it, it was really popular to draw him in it for a while. Um, and, uh, he lets him ride on in pretending to be Zane, which is so interesting. Cause it's like, he just, he, he's not sure if Mohinder's met or talked to this guy very long, but he hedges his bets by pretending to act just like him anyway, you know, like he could act like himself and, you know, still say his name is Zane, but no, no, no. He loves the show of it. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm Zane. Look at me pulling on my sleeves. Look at me being kind of awkward and cute. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm just twitchy and, you know, just, oh, yeah. He he loves it. He fucking loves pulling one over on people. It's his favorite thing. 
So something I noticed <laughs> when I watched the episode again, you might be laughing at because you can see my notes. <laughs> is I was like, did, did that son of a bitch put product in his hair before Mohinder got there? <laughs> because his hair did not look like that when he got there. Oh. It was fuzzier. And then it's not. And I just noticed it. I was like, come on. That's not helping the SS, you know, Mylar ship. Like, oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> Which we will talk a lot more about. Get ready, kids, because this is, this is a big part of the show for us in particular. Um, but, yeah, anyway. So he shows up. And he does his little, you know, song and dance. And he... <laughs> I love whenever he tries to throw around um, terms with Mohinder, like, oh, have you heard of this psychologist and that psychologist? And have you heard about this theory and that theory? And Mohinder's like, no, I haven't. And he just really is just like, oh, yeah, well, let me tell you a thing. And he, and he gets off on being like, I know stuff. But okay, because he has to, because look at someone like Mohinder, who's like a literal scientist, a literal geneticist who literally went to university. And I... Bet you anything. I don't think Gabriel Gray went to college. He couldn't afford it. Like, you know. Anyway. So any chance he gets to try to seem smart around people, he takes it. And I just, I don't know. I, I like that. It's just such a great little personality quirk of his that he has to try to be impressive, even when he's pretending to be these people that are, I don't know, really low-key. But anyways, so he shows Mohinder what he can do. And before he does, he's like, oh, you might want to step back. It looks like a nice jacket. Uh... Uh, which is exactly almost word for word what uh, Zane said to him when he first showed it to him. Besides the nice jacket. Because he didn't have a nice jacket on. But Mohinder does. Because he has nice clothes. <laughs> Class war. Anyway. Um, so. <laughs> I'm not going to stop doing it. I'm going to say it in every episode. Um, so he shows him. And he's like, you want to see it again? Because, you know, it's super. It's a fun power. It's a fun power. Just melt shit. Why not? And Mohinder's like, yeah. You know, like they both have this look of like, oh, that's cool. Let's do it. And so. Mohinder is there and he's just so stoked that somebody is giving him this chance, you know, that they believe him, that they want to do this with him. He's like, okay, so I just real quick, I need a DNA sample for my project, you know, so I can try to, you know, add you to the research that I'm working on. And Sadler's like, oh, need a DNA sample. Cool. I can do that. And he has to sneak away from him into the kitchen where he's cooking tea uh, it's funny because he, he telekinetically, everyone thought, made the, the thing, uh, turned the uh, stove up higher so that the, <laughs> the tea would whistle exactly when he needed it to. So he would go into the kitchen and keep Mohinder out of the kitchen because that's absolutely where Zane Taylor's body is. <laughs> like, just just sitting there in front of the stove. <laughs> no reason to do anything about that, I guess. Um, and so he goes in. He's like, oh, yeah, here, the tea's ready. Let me get that real quick. I just swab this in my cheek. Sweet. <laughs> so it goes in and he, he swabs it and, you know, Zane Taylor's dead face. And um, he uh, he caps it and he brings it right back out before Mohinder can come in. And he's like, oh, here you go. Everything's cool. And so, um, you know, they have like their little moment together and... Mohinder's just been like, oh, you know, it's been so hard to convince people. I can't even get them to, you know, stay on the phone with me. And Siler's like, well, guess what, bud? I can help you do that. I mean, who better to convince them? You know, glances around his half-melted apartment, you know, appliances. Like, 
I'm your guy. I'm the best possible person. We can go together. We can find all of them. He's saying the same shit he said to Chandra almost entirely, by the way. And, and, and entirely on purpose, too. Because I think he really gets off on ensnaring the son of the man that tried to fuck him over. In his <laughs> eyes. Uh, that's, like, part of the fun for him. Not just easy access to the list, but this other element of it. And so he's like, hey, what do you got to lose kind of thing? I'm like, well, you know, a lot, but we'll get there. Uh, so, so that's what's going to happen with Mohinder and Silers. They're going to go on a road trip together. They are going to find some people and show them how they're different. And it's going to go really well. And nobody's going to die. And they're going to become best friends. And that's all there is to it. You don't need to add to that. That's fine, Rachel. Like, nothing bad's going to happen. It's totally cool. Like. Why are you spoiling the whole journey of their friendship? And it's just like, everything's great. It's very wholesome. I just think it's yeah. nice to celebrate a very wholesome part of the show. It can get kind of dark elsewhere. <laughs> but do you have anything to add to <laughs> Siler um, and Mohinder, the first meeting? No, I don't think I have anything to add, honestly, at this moment in time. It's kind of not a lot of scenes. Like, it's it's quick scenes with them. No, it's, it's like a setup for the... Uh next episode really yeah they have a lot in the next episode do we want to talk about our relationship to myler or are we gonna wait till next week next week okay so look forward to next week's episode where i will uh we're 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 gonna oh man (laughs) uh either not in the episode proper or we'll do a painting the future where we really dig into yeah the mylar it'll It'll be one of those things. Probably a paying the future, frankly, because it needs its own thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For both of us, this is a really important part of the show. It, yes. It, it's, it's just really important. Stay tuned. And, <laughs> you know, the irony of this is, like, half people who listen to this are our friends, and they're like, yeah, we know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no shit. No shit. Same here. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so tune in next week and find out why these two in particular are so important and uh, arguably why this even got to this point with us making this podcast. So there you go. Because we wouldn't have met without them. Uh. (laughs) All right. uh, Yeah. So fun stuff to have to, to, you know, look forward to there on all, all fronts. But there's still still another thing that we need to handle back in Texas where Siler ran from. What's going on down there? Oh, well, there's quite a bit going on down there. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. But it's not just Texas. It's both Texas Mm -hmm. and New York. Because if you remember in the last episode, Meredith made a little phone call to Nathan to let him know that he was, in fact, the father of Claire and she's alive. (laughs) But, you know, not in those words. Just like, my daughter's back. Our daughter's back. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) instead, we get to see Nathan's point of view of the call at the beginning of the episode. And, uh... He's like, Meredith? He's like, it's, it's been 14 years. I went to your funeral. And she's like, oh, don't worry about that. I, you know, I had to run. People were after me, etc. You know. And she starts, like, you know, talking about Claire. And, like, you know, she's blonde like me. And she's got your smarts. And uh, maybe one day she'll run for Congress. And, ooh, red flag. No. <laughs> As Keisha said, it's two weeks before the election. And, uh. The timing of this phone call is very convenient. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nathan's like, well, you know, clearly this isn't a coincidence. So how much is it going to take for you to not bring this up? Because, you know, he's he's married and ooh, a child out of wedlock. That's not going to look good. Mm-mm. And 
In fact, Meredith doesn't give a number he does. He offers her $100,000 for her silence. And she's like, oh, that'll that'll do it. That'll do it. Really happy about it. And uh, I'm going to kind of stick with Nathan for a little bit, and then I'll go back to Claire. Yeah. So we see Nathan in his office with uh, Angela. And Angela's like, we reap what we sow, Nathan. <laughs> his mother's just like, oh, this is this is just fan-fucking-tastic. And Nathan's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to go to Texas. I'll handle it. And she's like, you should not go to Texas, sir. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> After what happened with Vegas, you should be sitting here and you should just wire her the money. And he he feels like he owes it to Meredith and his daughter because he did care about Meredith once. And uh, she's like, Angela is completely against him going. She's like, <laughs> beneath your gruff exterior, you are a sap, Nathan. <laughs> and the moment you lay your eyes on this girl, you're going to be done. And you will just keep giving and she will keep take, take, taking. And, uh, well, she's not wrong. <laughs> she knows She knows her kids, man. She knows it. She's like, Nathan, you like you like to be gruff, but you, you're just a softie on the inside, which we will see later in the episode. So instead, I'm going to go back to Claire. Because Claire is, her life continues to fall apart. <laughs> It's been downhill the whole season. It really um, has, though. It has. It has. We see uh, HRG, her father, bringing her mother home. And she looks out of it and she's just kind of like, um, you know, just in her own world. And he sets her down and he tells Claire that they, they just came back from an appointment with a neurologist. And, you know, she's been having a lot of headaches. And Claire is like, and memory loss? <laughs> and... And uh, Bennett looks at her like, yeah, memory loss. I told him, yeah, memory loss. And Claire is just mad as hell because she knows what's behind it, but she can't say it because she's not supposed to know. She's like two seconds away from saying it, though. She's pissed. Yeah, she is at the raggedy edge before she's just like calls him out on all his bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, she keeps her mouth shut and he, he walks off. And um, Sandra's like, looks out and she's like, don't worry, honey, I'll be fine. Mr. Muggles isn't worried, is he? No, he's not. No, he's not. (laughs) And uh, we see Claire later up in her room. And uh, HRG comes into her room, holding up the tickets. And he's like, I heard you skip school. And she's like, no, we went to the aquarium. And he's like, oh, with these fake tickets that you printed out on my printer. (laughs) And uh, like, yeah, he knows paper. Those tickets aren't going to fool him. Damn right. And for her troubles, he grounds her. You're going to be home every day at 5 p.m. sharp. And (laughs) she's like, you don't have the right to do that. And he's like, yeah, I do. I'm your father. You're not my real father. Oof, Claire. Oof. I think we've all been waiting for her to say that, you know, at some point. She pulled it out. And especially because she knows her real father's out there now. Yeah, definitely. And so, um... He's like, well, you're just going to have to stay at home at night until you earn our trust back. He's like, I just don't know what's into you, Claire. You know, even though I'm sure somewhere deep down, he's like, something's not right here. (laughs) But anyway, he leaves. So Claire calls Meredith up and she's upset. And Meredith's like, oh, well, I mean, I'm glad you called. I found your father and uh, he's coming from New York. You know, he's going to bring us some money. Isn't that great? And Claire's like, oh, great. When can I meet him? And then Meredith is like, eee, I don't know if you can meet him, though. <laughs> uh, I'll have to ask. <laughs> and 
She's not sure if a meeting is what he wants, so she tells Claire, like, you know, you can't really meet him. And uh, at that point, Claire decides on her own to leave, and she shows up at Meredith's house, (laughs) knocking on her door. And um, she's like, I have to see my father. I want to meet him. And so she and Meredith go for a walk. And she's like, you know, what's wrong, Claire? (laughs) Because he just showed up on my doorstep, like, for no reason right now. And she's like, well, my mom's sick, and, you know... I want to help her, and maybe, you know, my father can help her. And uh, Meredith's like, you know, he doesn't want to help help. He wants to help us the way he can, which is money. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not someone you can count on, Claire. Because when he found out that she was pregnant, well, yeah, you, you just can't count mm-hmm. on him. Don't expect anything else but cash, because you'll be disappointed. Because cash is easy. And she's like, well, Claire, you know, I'm, I'm getting 50000 and you're entitled to half of that. <laughs> that liar. <laughs> oh my god. I remember though her being a lot more vicious about the money, but like Me too, but she, she really isn't. You know, like twenty five thousand mm-hmm. is a lot of money to give to, you know, another person anyway. Yeah. And you know, she's like, I need it to skedaddle anyway, so mm-hmm. she could have just not mentioned the money at all. That's true. So she's willing to give Claire twenty five thousand dollars. And she also tells Claire that, well, this might be the last time we see each other for a while because I'm going to go head back to Mexico with that money. Because <laughs> she's only just been back for a few months there in Texas and she's just constantly on the run after whatever happened 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. So Claire is really upset and she's like, all right, and she's getting ready to leave. And Meredith takes a picture of her so she can remember that sweet face. And... And Claire goes off. And we assume Claire leaves. Spoiler alert, she doesn't completely leave. (laughs) Nathan rolls up to the trailer park in a very nice car. He's been been, um, driven in. He gets out. He goes up to Meredith's trailer, which is a cute trailer. It's (laughs) really cute. We see another, like, angle of it. It's just adorable. So they go in and they have a nice little talk. And he, like, he apologizes to her. He wishes he could have, you know, been better to her back then and... She's like, oh, we were never going to work out to begin with. And he gives her the check. And then Nathan asks, uh, so where is the um, where is the girl? Because they have never said to, to Nathan what her name was. She just said, you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. So where is she? And Meredith is like, oh, oh, um, I didn't know if you wanted to meet her, but I have a photo here of her. If you want to look. And Nathan does not want to look at the photo. <laughs> he very pointedly, like, she's holding her phone to him, and he's, like, not looking at the photo for a while. And eventually he does relent and look at the photo. Aw, the big sap. The big sap. And like Angela said, as soon as you see it, you're going to, like, <laughs> if that's it, you're done. She's like, you know, she came here with her bags packed, thinking that you were going to rescue her from her tragic <laughs> life. Doesn't that sound familiar? And uh, she's like, I can call her and she can come back, you know? Did I... Did I not do the right thing by telling her to go home? <laughs> and he just, like, quietly is like, no, you did fine. That's, that's okay. Meanwhile, Claire is listening to this whole conversation outside the trailer. So she, you get to see her hopes get, like, come up when he asks about her and then get dashed when he's like, no, it's fine. I don't need to see her. <laughs> and he leaves the trailer. And Claire is kind of upset and pissed off. So she picks up this huge rock and hurls it at the back of the chauffeured car as it's leaving. And then she she runs. And Nathan turns around. He doesn't see her, but he sees the kids that were all running around the car when they first came in. So he just assumes Mm -hmm. it was a kid. And he's like, just keep going. And you see him kind of like, 
wrestling with his emotions in that moment, and he, like, puts his sunglasses back on. Like, you big softy, put your glasses on to hide your tears, all right? Yep. Put the <laughs> graphic exterior right back on. Yeah, just put the glasses on. No one needs to see your eyes watering, hon. Oh, boy. Nathan yeah. and his emotions. Oh, man. Delightful. Delightful. So we follow Claire back home. Again, she's not had a great day. And her day gets worse. <laughs> She comes yeah. home and Sandra's in the kitchen and she is yelling at Mr. Muggles, get that mutt away from me. That mangy thing came, came, at, came at me out of nowhere. And like she throws a towel at Muggles and Claire's like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> she's like, no mom, this is your dog. This is Mr. Muggles. You love him. And she's like, I don't have a dog. I don't know Mr. Muggles and I don't know who you are either. Oh, and she like boy. leaves the kitchen and the kitchen is just in disarray. Like there's stuff on the floor. There's a pot of water boiling. Oh. Sandra has had some kind of mental break. Again, the, her brain has been erased too much. Yep. <laughs> Something is happening. And yep. it's not good. Yes. And that's pretty much the end of their storyline in Texas for the episode. Do you have any thoughts on the Claire and the Nathan of it all, Keisha? Uh, not really. I think you pretty much nailed it. I just like, uh, I like getting that moment to see that other side of Nathan and then how, you know, he once tried to do the wrong side of the tracks relationship and it ended how those usually end. And I have to imagine his family pressure was the big reason why. Mm-hmm. But he's the good soldier. That's his whole thing. So he fell in line then. He falls in line now. It'll be exciting to see if he ever uh, bucks against that. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cut and dried. So, for more about Nathan, go back to our first uh, painting the future episode, <laughs> where we don't really discuss future. this side of him too much. But you know, no, no, yeah. we decide that he's <laughs> we discuss the the part of him that's mostly a prick. <laughs> no. Like again, uh, yeah. like when we were thinking about when he found out in Vegas about that. Oh, we were going to blackmail you about the Nikki thing and this. Mm-hmm. I remembered him being a lot more angry about it, but like in both cases, he wasn't. <laughs> I forgot how goddamn sad he is in the car. He's just like, ugh. Yeah, like, oof. Yeah. Like, you know, he part of him wanted her to call, like, the freaking kid back up. He's like, you know, my mom's right. I looked at that picture and it's already too much. I'm over. <sighs> yep. I oh. can't see this kid in person. It'll be game over. And the great thing was, uh, they kind of uh, barely missed each other when Peter was in jail. Oh, yeah, Definitely. So they didn't cross paths then. Like, only Peter would be like, whoa, I know that girl. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, guys. Hold up. But he's not in this episode. So. <laughs> That's the sad girl from Texas. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saved your daughter's life, Nathan. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Claire is just not having a good time of it. No, the, the Bennett family falls the fuck apart in season one. Mm-mm. And arguably never really comes back together the same way again, so. No, 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 no. But that's because their happiness was based on lies. Yes. So, yeah. Can't Understandings do, do come about, but yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's kind of better when everybody knows the truth, but... They still have all these these things to face. And there's always a questioning of, like, what is the truth? Is this the truth? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
when you fuck with memory like that, that's yeah, that's big. Yeah. So this one, this isn't the end of our <laughs> Bennett family struggles. <laughs> oh no, and it is not. I mean, it's gonna lead HRG and Sander down a path that I don't think anybody could blame her for. Nope. Mm-mm. But right now she's not doing very well. <laughs> yeah. Hang in there. Hang in there, Sandra. Poor Sandra. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. I think that just about wraps it up, yeah? I think so. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to, like, cover from the episode at all that we might have skipped over. I don't Um, I didn't say, like, half of the actual quotes that Siler said to Mohinder, but whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's like a... <laughs> he said a oh, lot. It's like, fine. The great thing is, like, as I was taking notes... Uh, when Mohinder came in, I was like, I literally typed, why am I taking notes for this part? I'm going to be giving this to Keisha. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and then I didn't write any of that whole Siler, I'm an intellectual spiel to Mohinder. I just like wrote something after it. Yep, yep, anyway. Yep. So that was the episode. I hope you enjoyed. Um, let's talk about social media. Yeah. Let's talk about it. If you yeah. want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at Eclipse Podcast. Or if you want to follow us individually, I am at that burb there, burb with a B, like Bennett, whose first name I almost said several times this episode, but didn't. Ha 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 ha. I didn't even come close this episode, so. <laughs> you didn't have to talk about him. I didn't. I almost said it like twice, even though he was barely in the episode. Anyway. Yep. Do you know hey. how much we're going to scream his name from the fucking rooftops? <laughs> oh, yeah. And so then so-and-so the so did this. And yeah. Like, yeah. Once we get the chance, we will. Celebration. Mm-hmm. And you can also follow Keisha on Twitter at Lady underscore Snark. You can email us, EclipsePod at gmail.com. You can join us on Discord. We were talking about HomeCon on Discord before we talked about it here, so... Mm-hmm. Come on over to there. The link will be in the show notes. I feel like there was one more thing I wanted to put in the show notes. I don't remember. Uh, did you do the Twitter for that show? Yeah, I did it first. Oh, okay. I, I must not have heard. Yeah, I heard. I did that first, then me, then you. Oh, okay. 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 That's why I'm all disjointed. I got you. I'll probably put the the uh, Twitter link for HomeCon in our show notes if people want to go check that out. Yeah. And why not for Sendel Robert Murphy's website while we're at it? <laughs> I'll put Sendel's website in our show notes as well. Hey. <laughs> our two things we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. And yeah, we expect there will be a painting of the future next week. Uh, there will be. I'm already thinking about what to say. Where we're going to talk about the Mohinder and Siler <laughs> of it all. Oh boy. Yep. And uh, yeah. You're going to get to know your hosts a little better, whether yes. you want to or not. <laughs> yes. No. A little bit into our backstory, a little bit into, you know, the future mm-hmm. of those two in the show we'll talk about. Oh, so, boy. We'll have fun mm-hmm. things to say about that. Yep. But not this week. Next week. <laughs> yeah. Definitely next week. Definitely next week. So, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Next time on Eclipsed. HRG gets a private art showing. Mohinder and Siler go on road trip. Peter Petrelli, well, he tries. Fun with night vision goggles. Excelsior. Matt and Ted's bogus journey to Texas, dudes. And Simone gets fridged. I don't care that that's a spoiler. Stay tuned. <laughs>